Well, good morning, LWC First Service. Good morning to our online campus as well, if you're watching online. Do you notice that we don't call uh, a service at LWC volunteering? We don't volunteer at Living Word Chapel because when we say, I volunteer, you say, you know, I volunteer at children's ministry, the focus is on, on you. But when we say, I serve Jesus by working with the kids, the focus is on Jesus. And that's what Jesus did. He came to serve us, not to volunteer, to go to the cross, right? He came to conquer death, and we're very thankful that he did that uh, as well. Two very important things before we go into the word. Uh, first thing is, in front of you is a connect card, and I would love for you to pull it out real quick. Just real quick, it should be right in front, the front uh, uh, seat. There's a basket, there's a connect card. Would you please Pick it up and just wave it in the air like if you really do care, right? And go, whoo, ha, ah, right? So this Connect card is vitally important to us because it tells us how we can pray for you and how we can celebrate with you. There's a place that says, go God. It's a testimony of what Jesus is doing in your life. And how many of you that are sitting here or watching online, has God done something great in your life in the last week? He did something great today. So maybe you can write something there so we can celebrate with you. And maybe there's a place in your life that you need God to move. Anyone in here need God to move somewhere? You need a prayer answered. Put it down right there so we can pray with you. We believe that the God that we serve is alive and well. And he hears everything that we pray about, everything that we cry out to. He is there. So do me a favor and fill that out. Uh, if you're new with us, we want to welcome you again. And uh, don't feel any pressure to do anything at all because you are a gift to us today, this morning. Just being here, you're a gift to us. And we have a gift for you at the new here. Start here if you want to go there after the service. The other thing, very important, for the last three weeks, it's been in the bulletin. How many of you read your bulletins? Anybody in here read bulletins? Okay. So in the bulletin, it's a special meeting we're having next Sunday in between first and second service. And we are going to tweak our uh, bylaws and constitution in that we're going to make our elders and our deacons, uh, instead of them serving for life, a life sentence where they're going to say, oh, it's like the Hotel California, right? You can enter anytime you like, but you can never what? Yeah. No, no, it's not, it's not like that. So we're going to change it from life to term. And we got to change it in our constitution and bylaws. So if you're a member, uh, you will get to vote. If you're not a member, come to the meeting and you can just see how we operate. We're very open and transparent about everything that we do. And uh, so important meeting if you can uh, be here. So when I was growing up, I'm going to go into my message now. When, when, I, was, uh, when I was young, girl, I'm still young. I said last week I'm 55, but I'm a young 55. But when I was younger, I, I started working, uh, I went to college for a year, and then my aunt, she tricked me, and I came to Oracle to stay with her uh, a couple weeks, and she said, get up, and I said, well, where are we going? She said, don't worry about it, let's just get up, and she took me to the, took me to the employment office down the road in San Manuel, and she said, go, she said, go in there, and I said, what for? She said, go, go get a job, and I said, I don't want a job. I'm just here temporarily spending time with you. And, and, and anyway, she said, just get it for the summer. And, and so I went and got a job. They gave me a job right away, and I worked underground. 
uh, for the next 13 years worked at, at the largest uh, copper-producing underground mine in the world. That's what Sam Manuel was. But I'll, I'll never forget that I, different facets of mining. I went in there and, and I started, the uh, first job I ever had was breaking big rocks into smaller rocks, and you did that with a big sledgehammer. So that was my job, you know, the chain gang before the chain gang. And so I would hit, I, you know, I was young, young, and I'm not going to say dumb, but I was dumb, and hit this big rock, and boom, and you'd be hitting it, and you'd break it, and you know, all the guys would compare themselves, I broke this big rock, why well, I broke a bigger rock? Well, mine was small, but it was harder than yours. And so you, you know, brag, miners brag about stuff like that, but I'll never forget when, when I went into driving drift, driving tunnels, blasting and drilling and all that, that I, I was working, uh, first, first time I started working with an with a actual uh, lead man and, and, and his partner, uh, because when we went to minor training, when they trained you, you drill with, with these jack legs, they're called jack legs, and, and they're drilling rigs that weigh about 150 pounds, 130 to 150 pounds, uh, it seems like they weigh about 200 pounds when you're by yourself. But you'd, you'd drill these holes, and then you'd pull it out. But when you're in miners' training, all the seven or ten men that are there, you all pull it together. So it was like, great. You thought it was going to be easy. And I went to uh, my first, uh, they sent me out with a, with a crew, and my lead man, his name was Pete Vigil. Pete Vigil lives here in this Oracle area, and he's a great guy. And, and, and he said, Jimmy, he called me Jimmy. Jimmy, he said, go and, I want you to go and drill this, this face out, this grizzly. Go drill it out, and, and, and then after you, get, after you get done, get ready to you know, get, get, your, get your, uh, your, uh, your, your powder, your, your dynamite, and, uh, and, and go ahead and load it, and, and, and we'll, we'll blast at the end of the shift. I'm going to go work this face over here. So him and Dave went to go work a face over there. I went by myself with my jack leg, and oh, no problem. I used to pull this leg out like nothing, a piece of cake. Started drilling. I didn't have seven people to help me pull it out. And so I started drilling my lifters down at the bottom, and I got my first steel stuck. I started to pull it out. The end of the shift came. I was exhausted. And I had drilled about 14 holes. And the, 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 I didn't make the blast. I didn't blast like I was supposed to. So he, he let me have it, you know, in a good way, like miners do. Every word that uh, we don't use at church. <laughs> and I love Pete. We have a great relationship. But anyways, what he said to me is, you're working too hard. You're working too hard. Look at how exhausted you are. And uh, that's, that's, a, that's a jack leg right there. And he's drilling, a, he's drilling a face. He's actually this guy right here. I know, I know this guy. Uh, great, great, uh, great miner. And he's, see, the, see the, the chain link fence right there? They're catching the back. They're bolting it so it doesn't cave in on them, and he's, he's drilling with this, with this machine. When you're drilling up, it's not a problem. When you're drilling down and you've got to pull it up, it's very, very difficult. And so what, what, what Pete said to me, what I learned from the old timers is they would say this to me. Maybe you've heard this adage, work smarter, not harder. Now, it, it, this, this uh, model of living your life will work in anything. If you've ever played golf before, you can try to hit the ball real far and, and swing as, as hard as you can, and usually it doesn't go very far. And then when you hit the sweet spot and you, you do everything right, it's amazing how that ball will sail further than you've ever seen it sail before. It's the same thing if you're working in, in uh, economics, if you're working in any kind of, of, of industry, what you find about life is if you work smarter 
It's better than working harder. Well, Jesus teaches us to work smarter and not harder. And and I believe that there may be someone here today that you've been working this thing called life and you've been struggling in the, they call this life the grind. You've been struggling in the grind of your day to day and day to day. And it seems to, to you like if you're spinning your wheels, but you're not getting any traction. You're not going anywhere. Well, here's what I found out about Jesus Christ. Is that he has taught me to live my life with traction. He has taught me, when I listen to him, when I submit myself to his leading, he has taught me to work smarter and not harder. To parent smarter and not harder. To be a husband that is smarter and doesn't work harder by trying to get your own way. Or to be an employer or an employee to work smarter and not harder. And so we're going to go to chapter 6. We've been progressively moving through the Gospel of John. And this is a wonderful book. It's a, it's a gospel of belief. And we're going to go to verse 22. If you have your Bibles, go to chapter 6, verse 22. If you don't have your Bible, it's going to be on your outline. It'll be up on these screens. You'll see the word there. And... We're going to find how these people were, were seeking Jesus. The multitudes were, were, were seeking after the Lord because of all the things that he gave to them. Remember, he had just fed 5,000. 5,000 men plus women and children. So over 5,000 that he fed them with five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And then he comes to this place, he walks on water where the disciples, they were in a storm. We, we learned about that next, uh, last week. If you uh, were not here, I would say to you, listen to that message. I think it'll, it'll help you in, in navigating through life. But today we're going to find out how we work smarter, not harder. Verse 22, the next day the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. And several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So that helps us with the context where he had fed the 5,000. Verse 24, so when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they, took, they, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. And they found him on the other side of the lake, and they asked, um, they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Now, the response of Jesus is going to be very eye-opening to us. It's going to help us in how we navigate through the day, and even the questions that we ask the Lord. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you. Not because you understood the, the, the miraculous signs, But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. So I'm going to pause right there. He's saying, you came to me because you want to eat. You you think I'm an in and out. You think I'm la casita. You think that I'm lupus. You, You come for your own initiative. But there's a bigger initiative. 
And it helps us to understand that when we're seeking the things of God, that there's a bigger picture in what he wants to do in our lives. He said, don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. See, that's what happened today. Eternal things happen. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, this is the only work that God wants from you. Believe in the one whom he has sent. If there's something that you grab a hold of today, beloved, is that the work that God wants from you and the work that you need to do has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with what Jesus accomplished for you. If you can believe that Jesus is who he said he is, he will change your life forever. But if you live your life working in your own power, in your own merits, in your own abilities, you will work harder and harder and harder, get more religious, get more, you know, all of these different things, and you will never feel like you've done enough. So here's some takeaways in how we should work smarter, not harder. Here's the first one. We should always search for Jesus for the right reasons. And all of us come to Jesus for something. Look, look what he said. Uh, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me. You're searching for me because I fed you. Not, not because you understood the miraculous signs. So, so the miracles that happened today, the, the people that were, get, were, were baptized, some of them uh, have been prayed for for, for years. Some of them, there, there's, there's things that have happened in your life, and, and there's, there's miracles that have taken place today just by the baptism. But the miracles, there's something bigger in what happened today than what we see temporarily. He said, don't be concerned about perishable things like food. And I've seen this lived out in so many ways. Here in this passage, we see the people are searching for food. Jesus was their meal ticket. But he knew that once they got their fish taco plate, that they were going to miss out on the real reason that they needed him in their lives. In fact, when the pressure, we're going to go into this next week, when the pressure comes uh, uh, to the people, they're, they're, they're going to leave him. There are times that we walk with Jesus, when we walk with God, that he says things that are difficult for us to grasp. There's some things that he asks of us that are very difficult and we don't understand in the, in the moment, but then when you walk through them, when you walk through the difficulty of what he's telling us to do, you see that there's freedom on the other side. And you can't get to that place of freedom without holding on to the importance of who Jesus is in your life. You see, a lot of times we come to Jesus because we need something. We need something saved. When I came to Jesus Christ, I needed my marriage to be saved. 
I need it for my family to be restored. You see people that their marriages are falling apart, so they want the, the marriage fixer, Jesus. And believe me, that, that Jesus can save your marriage. How do I know that? Because he saved and he restored mine and Shauna. And I love her more today than I ever have. And she loves me more today than, than she ever has. And the reason for that is because it's Jesus in us that's worthy of love. So he can save your marriage. And there, there's people that come to, to Jesus because of their marriage. And once their marriage is fixed, once their marriage is saved, they leave God and they forget about everything he's done in their life. Others come to Jesus because their finances are a mess. And I know nobody in first service has a problem with that. But second service, they really struggle. So, so they search for the financial Jesus and, and, you know, he'll use people like Dave Ramsey and, and individ, individuals like that. And, and God can save your finances. But if that's the only reason that you're searching for Jesus, when your finances are restored, you're probably going to miss the bigger picture and how important Jesus is to every aspect. Of your life. You know, there's something that's a lot deeper and a lot more grander in Jesus than just someone that can fix my marriage. There, there's something that's a lot deeper and a lot grander in Jesus than someone that can restore my finances. There, there's someone that is a lot bigger and grander than someone that can keep me out of jail and, and give me a stay out of jail free card. Amen? There's someone that is not only my savior, but he's my Lord. Not only is he my salvation, but he's my curios. He's my supreme in authority. He, he's the one that I submit to in every aspect of my life. And progressively, you begin to move in that direction. And let me tell you, beloved, if you move in that direction, you will be working smarter, not harder. But if you fight against what Jesus can do and really what he's all about, you will miss not only your salvation, you won't lose your salvation, but you'll miss the freedom that you can have in the Savior of your life and the Lord of your life. I love the miracles of God. And I believe that Jesus is still doing miracles. You know how come I know that? Because we baptized Dave Kachi. <laughs> Did you notice the water started boiling? Dave is saying, I'll get the mic one of these days, Pastor. <laughs> See, the, 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 the sweet spot in life, there's a sweet spot in life. You ever been in that sweet spot? That means there's peace, there's joy, there's love, there's patience, there's faithfulness, Amen. There's self-control, that, that sweet spot in life 
can only be found in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's only found when we want Jesus for who he is, not what he can do for us. That's hard in the American church. Hear me now. That's hard in the American church because the American church thinks like this. What can you do for my kids? What can you do for my, my marriage? What can you do for my finances? What can you do for me? Okay, that, that, those are all wonderful, wonderful things for us to look for God for guidance. Amen? But when you really go deeper, you go to God because of Jesus and who he is, not what he can do. And who he is is your peace. Who he is is your true substance of love. Who he is is your, your, your true source of patience. Your, your, your true anchor, your true pillar of faithfulness. You can never be faithful without Jesus being everything in your life. You can never be honest. One of the things the Lord's been working on me on is be honest. Be honest about everything. You know that's hard to do? Because I go golfing and I just want to, how many did you get? Uh, uh, I got five, but uh, uh, I, uh, four. <laughs> Why do we do that? Or your wife asks, did you buy something today with a debit card? <laughs> Think about being honest. Think about being honest in everything. It's so hard for us to do, but when we do, when we submit ourselves to the Lordship of the faithful one. You become honest in everything and there's peace there. But that's not easy for us to do. The only way that we can do it is through Jesus Christ. Here's your second takeaway, okay? Spend your energy wisely. You, you see, the people stopped at nothing to get to Jesus, not because of him, but because he was their meal ticket. Their energy was exerted in food instead of the provider. And Jesus calls them on that. He says, don't waste your energy. I love the way the verbiage is in the NLT. Don't waste your energy striving for, for food that's going to perish like that. And he says, work for food that sticks with you. Food that nourishes, nourishes your lasting uh, life. Food that the Son of Man will provide. And you need, to, you need to know this. You can have an assurance that, that, the, that, that, that the Father has put his seal on the Son of Man. He's the real deal. When you found Jesus, you found the real thing. When you found Jesus, you found the one that is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one will come to the Father except through him. See, Living Word Chapel doesn't save people. Jesus does. You know, I could call all kinds of different religions, thousands of religions that, that, that all, every single one of them is trying to, to gain their merit through what they do instead of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And if anyone could do it without Jesus, then Jesus would not have had to come.
He, he teaches them something that we all need to know. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. David Jeremiah put it like this. He said, when I put God first, God takes care of me and energizes me to do what really needs to be done. You see, many of us, we live our lives spinning our wheels, chasing things that will never bring lasting satisfaction. Think about this. Think about the things that we chase that tire you out instead of giving you the energy that you need. He, Jesus will never take from you. He'll always pour into you. The Holy Spirit will help us. He will counsel us. He will strengthen us. And, and, and sometimes you got to get away with him. Sometimes you take a six-week six sabbatical so that you can get away with him. And when you get away with him, that time is well spent because he does in us what we could never do on our own. I guarantee you that if you spend time with Jesus, he will do in you what you could never do on your own. And you will be better. You'll be a better wife. You'll be a better husband. The prophet Isaiah put it like this. Why, why do you spend money for, for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? He says, listen carefully to me. God speaking through him. Eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Now, now you put that with, with the words of Jesus we're going to go into next week where he says, I am the bread of life. If anyone eats of the flesh of the Son of Man, you will have life. And if you drink the blood of the Son of Man, you will have life. And they're like, what? Cannibalism. There's those difficult things that Jesus said that now we understand them a lot greater, but they didn't understand them back then. And there are things, even some of you in here, me, myself, there are things that God calls us to that we don't understand at the present, but if we trust him and we just push through and just follow the things of Jesus, you will see how everything makes sense in the future. What is God calling you to do? Are you spending your time and wasted energy and feel like if you're not going anywhere, pause today and make Jesus your everything. He will give you what you need and more. Everything is good in this world. Did you know that? But not all things are profitable. I can do anything that everybody else is doing. Did you know that? I'm free in Christ. I can do anything that everyone else is doing. But here's what I know for sure. Some things that other people are doing are going to destroy my life. And though I can do it, I'm free to do that in Christ. I choose not to through the power of the Holy Spirit so that I can become everything that God wants me to be. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to be everything that God called you to be? Here's what the Lord really impressed on me in the six weeks that I, was, that I was out on sabbatical. He really spoke to me about every person, every person has excellence in them. How do I know that? Because we were born with the image of God. There is a God-inspired excellence in every person. And the worst thing that we can do 
is to go to the grave and not tapping into the excellence that God gave us. Are you with me? So my whole goal before the day that I die, before the day that I breathe my last, is for me to help people and to extract that excellence and that they leave it here in this world and not take, and take it with them to the grave because there's nothing that you can do in the grave. Amen? So I'm going to tell you something, beloved. You are greater than you could ever imagine because of Jesus and what he can do in your life. Mike Haney, God has big plans for you, brother. What happened in the water was something very special. Remember I said there's doves that are flying up above? But he wants for us to take a, take a real good pause and identify, are we working harder or are we working smarter? Here, that's your third point right there. Your third takeaway is this. Work smarter, not harder. People are notorious for thinking that they will work their way to heaven. And that's impossible. What must we do is the question people ask. They work harder and harder and harder, but Jesus taught us a way to work smarter. And he said, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. And that's the gospel. The good news is this. I, I tell people this all the time. You should never leave worse from church than when you came in. You should always leave better. Because this is where we have good news. Good news is that there's hope in Jesus Christ. The work that you need to do is to believe that Jesus is enough. It's that Jesus did enough. Religion tells you to do more. It tells you to work harder. In, in, in fact, religious people work really hard to earn something that Jesus has already done. My salvation, when I see my Father in heaven, my salvation has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Jesus. When I go before the Father, I'm going there not with what I've done, but just trusting in that Jesus did enough. And on the cross, this is what Jesus said. Three more very important words. He says, it is finished. He finished something that I could never complete. He passed the test that I was always flunking. Because the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, those things I do. Four, uh, five. But Jesus loves me, this I know. Because the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me despite myself. I need him and no one else. I just made up that last part. The, the Apostle Paul put it like this, and I'm going to close with this last uh, passage. He says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Mike, hold on to that, Mike. Hal, hold on to that. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. 
It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. Remember the excellence? We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. I don't take credit for my salvation. That credit belongs to Jesus. Jesus saved me. Jesus did enough. Jesus is more than my marriage restorer. He's more than a financial helper. He's more than a savior of my troubled times. He is God and my Lord. He is the bread of life. And if this is not the Jesus that you know, let me introduce you to the Jesus that is the God of the universe. He's the God of the cosmos. He's the one that originated everything that is. He's the one that sustains everything that, that, that there is. And he's the one that will secure your salvation because of what he's done. He is God. And he loves you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer that says, Jesus, I'm going to trust you with my life and my soul. And I pray that if you've never prayed this prayer, that today you will and own it for you. It's what saves you, your trust in Jesus. It's simple. God, I come to you this morning. I trust my life into your hands. I'm tired of trying to do life on my own. Today, I believe that Jesus did enough. I believe that Jesus is enough that he went to the cross at Calvary and he died for all of my sins and he rose from the dead on the third day just like the Bible said he would. And so today, I declare and I accept him as my Lord and Savior and I choose to follow him from this day forward in Jesus' name, amen. Now everyone just keep your heads, heads down and I know there's people that are watching online and you prayed that prayer. If you prayed that prayer this morning in our in in-person service. Will you just raise your hand and just say, that's me. I prayed that prayer. Amen. Beautiful. Thank you. I see you in the back. I see you guys just saying that. I see you, dear lady. I see you, sir. It's beautiful when we do that. that that's, that's what saves you, your faith in Jesus Christ. And as I saw like seven hands that went up here, we can give God a big hand for, for what he's done this morning. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer online, I would love for you to just email us or just in the comments, just say, I prayed today, I confessed Jesus as my Lord, and, and I said yes to Jesus is really what you're saying, and we rejoice with you as well. So God bless you. Let's stand up and worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords.